And we are... Recording in progress. Recording. I don't know why I feel like I'm missing something or forgetting something. I've had that creepy uh, feeling all day. I'm like, something... I'm not doing something. Uh, double, double backup? I don't know. Double. I've got... Well, this is triple recording, so we're good. I mean... But today's Tuesday, March 28th, 2023 at 2.05 p.m. Eastern Time with Mr. Charles Smith. You've been on here a couple times before. I think last time the power went out in Hawaii and... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know why I just assumed a ballistic missile hit you and it was over, and then you you responded with a much more rational thing and just said the power's out. So uh, that that shows where my mind goes. And uh, guys, if you're listening or watching on Rumble, if you want to support the show, you can click the little red button uh, that goes to locals. That's Rumble's version of Patreon. Uh, keeps the show independent, allows me to constantly upgrade the uh, the studio, and uh, I would say it keeps me independent from advertisers, but that implies that there are advertisers I'm beholden to, which I am not. I do not have that luxury. Um, and with that, Mr. Smith, please introduce yourself while I post the live link. Okay. Well, um, I am Charles Hugh Smith and, um, old, um, Caucasian dude that, you know, has posted on his blog and somehow developed an audience, um, through some mysterious process I don't understand. And I talk about the economy, society, housing, uh, macro issues, cycles, um, and I have an interest in AI, new social systems, stuff like that. And so I'm going to try to multitask now. What we were talking about last time was, I believe it was, you said beforehand, it was about constantly evolving. Was I, were we talking about finance or like how to get guests? Because I know I talked about that with someone. It might have been you. They all, they do so many episodes, they kind of blur together. Was it about the evolving kind of paradigms of every six months? There's almost like a new... It's almost like a new foreign doctrine. It's like you have the, you know, whatever, like in 1800, you have this. And then in 1900, you have this. It's like my, it's like my own, I am my own empire. And I have like a new Tommy doctrine every six months or so. Is that what we were talking about? Yeah, exactly. And, and the fact that there is a financial impact of that eventually, you know, one way or the other, right? In other words, if you want to try to make money in the digital, you know, world, you constantly have to adapt um, or else if you're going to cling on to whatever, you know, like you said, the 1890 buggy whip model, then then you're out, you know, and um, I that's been my experience, too, over the last 15 years that I've I have made money. But the source of the money is constantly changing. Like it used to be advertising. Now that's like a, that's like not, not going to give you very much money. So you got to do something else, which is like locals or patreon or something out direct coverage and then who knows what it'll be six months from now but i i admire your willingness to adapt because i think that's the essential quality going forward not just in the digital world that we're in inhabiting but the rest of the the real world too and so i call this self-reliance which is based on the, the american philosopher you know um emerson's famous essay in the, which he wrote in 1841 or something called self-reliance and um, so what he was talking about at that time was being an authentic um, individual, which was kind of a, a rare idea at that time, right? Everyone was sort of conventional and you went along with the conventions. 
And he was like, hey, you got to be authentic to yourself. And that's um, be reliant on your own self-judgment and your own assessment of 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 what's going to work and what's not going to work. And that's what you have to that's what you're doing. You you have to have an authentic self that you're building your digital world around. You, you know, in other words, what you're adjusting is what you can adjust while remaining authentic to yourself. And that's that's the inner self-reliance. And then the outer self-reliance is getting the tools to be able to do what you need to do without depending on some, you know, huge um, amorphous system like Social Security or the federal government or, you know, uh, Microsoft or somebody to save you. You know, I don't think that's going to be um, the way it's going to go. I don't think any of those macro systems are going to, quote, save us individually. We're going to have to save ourselves. So you're doing what you got to do. And um, I, I admire that ability of yours to adapt. Thank you. And it's... um. It is kind of interesting experiencing natural selection. Like you can always look at it in the market. Like, why am I using this? I like, you know, how many millions of man hours and decades of progression and commercial and marketing went into geopolitics, resource mining led to me choosing this phone. And I like, you understand it in theory. You're like, yeah, the best one for me won. But then it's, it's, that's it. You don't really address it past that. It's yeah. interesting seeing it like experiencing it firsthand and like all the factors of like are getting banned from YouTube and it's it's fun because there's like there's bigger and bigger factors like it's I would imagine if you climbed the rungs of a corporation or of a like a professional sports team there's probably a somewhat you can boil it down taller faster stronger better reflexes better hand-eye coordination all the way up to being the best, like Tom Brady. But then there's this odd thing where to go one level above that and be the coach has nothing to, I mean, the best coaches, I mean, they have pot bellies, they're, you know, slouched over. And it's like, what is that? It's this weird old paradigm out the window. Oh, I have 10 horses, so I have 10 horsepower. But it's 1910, you have a Model T with 50 horsepower. And all of a sudden that model's out the window and you have to change with that. And then, well, then what's above coaching? Well, it's not a guy in a hoodie. It's a, you know, a billionaire in a pinstripe suit. And it's this whole other, like, well, what is that? And it forces you to completely change. So, like, something like YouTube where I get banned, it it's really sucks, but it's also fascinating being at the helm. Like, now, if I were to have an employee, it would just be like, hey, we're going to have to let some people go. I got banned, but we're going to get through this. And you're like, all right, you just keep working. But being at the helm, there's no one to tell you how to do it. There's no, you don't look up in the book, you know, how do I past organic chemistry hasn't changed you know the test someone was taking 50 years ago to get into medical school is the same as now it's fun and challenging to be like all right i wasn't counting on the first amendment being eroded and help with the government but that's a new variable like let's pivot and then with revenue it's like all right rumble i'm, I'm getting some money on rumble not a whole lot and that's not on rumble that's just i haven't made it yet right i think i've made to date $1,076 over three and a half years, 1,154 episodes, 4.3 million views. That's, that's not enough. That doesn't, that's 39 months. That doesn't cover a fraction or that covers only a fraction of one month of my own expenses. Okay. So how do we pivot locals? People want to do it. All right. And that kind of hit a ceiling where people were just willing to give me money. And now it's like, okay, well now I have to start offering them something. I can't just say I'm not going to put podcasts behind paywall, so I have to pivot. I game every night. That's a gaming computer. 
Before that, it was an Xbox. It's how I just decompress. I love it. And I also kind of learned lessons from there. Finally, a year ago, it was like, well, let's... If I'm already recording myself every day and trying to insert my own personality into it, I'm leaving a lot of content on the cutting room floor. And so I start screen recording that. Like an idiot, I went to YouTube and most of it eventually got banned. And so I pivoted and it's like, well, why don't we tie that into the podcast? Why don't I? So now I do that. I stream that on the Rumble show, uh, on the Rumble platform at night. And it's like, that's an entirely different side instead of these professional interviews where I'm on time and I'm wearing a clean shirt and I put my hair over and brush my teeth and I'm talking with Mr. Charles Smith. Instead, we're just, you know, running around in a war zone, getting blown up, screaming, you know, it's, it's very, it's very vulgar and unholy and very relaxed, but that's now pulling in. I did 198 episodes on YouTube of that and I got 4,000 total views. Each episode is getting about 3,000 views now on Rumble. That adds, Rumble doesn't care what the views are from interview or video games so now that's increasing the revenue and then it's well what did i do before the podcast uh, 2016 to 2019 i taught myself graphic design got very good at it opened like a merch store where there the designs were on hoodies and it kind of didn't work well now i was just on the phone with shopify yesterday for an hour and i'm like digging up the old EINs and like business taxing because I did file it as a corporation back in 2017. I'm trying to get the store back up. I already have those designs. I already put thousands of hours into them. I mean, truly sunrise to sunset for three years. Now it's like, well, we have that. It's already a sunk time cost. Well, what is it? What do I have? I have a podcast where it's just me and my own personality. That's an extension of my personality. They're my own wild designs. So to kind of bring it all back to what you're talking about is it's this forced natural selection. It's almost Apollo 13-esque, right? Where you're on Apollo 13, you have all the guys at Mission Control like, well, this controls the oxygen and this controls the maneuvering and this controls the food. And finally, the guys that control the power come in and go, nothing matters if there is no power. None of your ideas matter because they won't work. Therefore, power has priority. And everyone goes, yeah, I guess that makes sense. None of this matters. None of my worldviews matter. None of my quips or jokes or nothing matters if the show is not making money. And so it's like, what do I have? I'm on Apollo 13. I got these old hoodie designs. I got a video game channel. I know how to banter with people. I know how to send an email. How can we put all this together with duct tape and Elmer's glue and land on Earth or make this show profitable and it's it's the most challenging thing i've ever done yeah i don't know if that's what you're looking for yeah exactly and then i think um i like what you just said and let's let's explore this idea that um there is a hierarchy uh to natural selection right and so um it, it and and that can change too right and so um the ultimate for human beings is you got to have water, you got to have food, right? And then you, you, you know, you got to have some kind of shelter in, in most of the world. So it's like those become the most consequential thing. And we've gotten sort of really sloppy and lazy about that, um, about that vulnerability. Like we think, well, there's always going to be tons of food because this is America, right? We, we export food and the supermarkets are always going to be full. 
and I should always be able to buy grapes from Chile or whatever. Um, and that's the way it's been for decades. So it's always going to be that way. That's just rock solid. That's just like gravity. And it's like, no, actually, that's not gravity. That's a horribly expensive, complicated system that only runs at a particular scale of that's beyond conception. Like the only way we get the grapes from Chile as cheap as we do is because there's a bunch of airliners flying um, people and then there's a cargo space but beneath it which is like well we might as well fill that up with something and make some extra money here <clears throat> and so if tourism dies then your air freight dies and you know that's, that's just one tiny little bit of uh, of an example so like where do we get our food from and everyone's just oh well for sure there's some guy or family in iowa that's going to keep you know busting their behinds to to grow corn and soybeans and make it all cheap and um and then if it goes up like a few percentage points, we're freaked out. Never mind that the rest of the world spends like four times more of their income than we do on food. You know, so we're we're sort of like natural selection kind of works to spoil us. And then we then we're, then that all those issues come up, right? Like, hey, wait a minute, without power, we're 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 dead in the water. And it's like, well, what can we do about it? And so, with like you said, if you put yourself in the helm. Then you start thinking about, well, maybe I should buy a couple of solar panels and get a battery. So at least I can charge my cell phone and laptop. You know, I mean, it's like, what can I do? And, and of course, you're in a part of the country where you're not going to grow any food except, you know, in a certain brief period of time in the year. But people did and they survived doing that. Right. They, they got the potatoes and the cabbage and put them away for winter. And, you know, all, all the tricks that people have used for for, you know, thousands of years. So it's like, how much can we do locally? Like, who do we know that like we could tap into? So that's another thing. You have a network, right? And and these some of this network is platforms, like you said, it's um, Shopify, and then some of it's individuals, and and so it's kind of like the strength of your brand or your you know your your whole enterprise is partly your connections, and I think that's something else that we tend to. Um, lose track of you know it's our own little network that supports us um so anyways riff off of that you know <clears throat> there's um yeah the idea that being at the helm of something is again you know being the third string quarterback second string first string it's it's all pretty much the same it's just better faster quicker you know and then it changes entirely and it's like yeah who's the coach it has nothing to do with how fast you can run um being at the helm is definitely in terms of like redundancy. So not food and water. That's, you know, I'm, unfortunately I'm still working hard enough that I just have to just rely on like, I hope the grocery stores is just open. Like I'm, I'm still at the point where I can't look that far. It's still like a hierarchy of, I have to make sure the show survives. Like, um, so the show is uploaded to BitChute, rumble, odyssey, cloud hub, Brady on Spotify. And I started doing all those when I was on YouTube before YouTube even started censoring. I have backups right next to me. You can't see it. There's um, eight hard drives kind of all linked up, and I have them all going into one big outlet tower with a big green button on it, and I can just press it, and they all turn on at once, and it's 100 terabytes, and I offload eight copies of the show every day. That's my OCD. I have a fireproof, waterproof safe inside of a fireproof, bulletproof safe. It's massive. The whole thing weighs like 2,000 pounds. I don't know how it hasn't fallen through the floor of this apartment. Inside the <laughs> fireproof water, inside the, the core, um, I have like a, just a bag of five or six hard drives. You know, uh, and not not 
fragile desktop hard drives, but rather the external ones. They can take a little hit. You know, they're they're rubbery. They're for that reason. And I every Sunday I offload all the podcasts into there. So in case all of this goes down, because these, I mean, the ones on the desk, I mean, these are fragile. I spilled this water. Those things are toast. I, you know, knock over the table. Those things are toast. All right. Well, they're still online. Well, as I saw with YouTube, nothing is nothing is permanent online. You don't know yeah. which communist is going to take over. And then there's another one even deeper than the, the, the hard drives is I have these like metal hard drives that can survive, I think, 6,000 pounds of downward pressure. And they're wrapped in like a Faraday bag. And I do those. It takes so long to get them out. I offload the podcast into those maybe twice a year. But even that's so just redundancy, stuff you don't normally think about. Because when you're at the when you're at the helm, if you're just a guest on the show, you're like, yeah, Tommy probably has a copy of it. I just text me as a link of it. And I do. No one's coming to save me. I, I can't turn to my boss and go, hey, uh, I lost the hard drives. Do you have like a, a core copy? No, I have to take control of it. It's like, okay. So that's just one thing where you, you walk it out X degrees. And then you have you hit a point of diminishing returns where you're like, okay, I probably don't need more than that. And then to the network, that's another huge thing. And it's built up, and I think we talked about it last time with guests. Every guest you get adds to your credibility. It's almost like uh, it's almost like gravitational pull in a protoplanetary disk in like an early solar system. The rocks start clumping together, and as you get more, their gravitational pull gets hard, stronger, so they pull in more, and it's an accelerating cycle until you become a planet or a star or a black hole. The same thing goes with with getting a network, right? You get this guest. Well, now, hey, I've had one guest, so now you just go to the second person. And you go, you don't even have to be guest number one. All right. Now you go, hey, I've done 99 episodes. You can be guest 100. They're like, oh, that's cool. You don't have to be the first author. You don't have to be the first doctor. You don't have to. And you keep building it up until right now, it's kind of like a Jupiter-sized thing. This is episode 1,154. I've had, you're not the first finance guy. You're not the first blog guy. You're not the first Hawaii guy. You're not the first, like, all these things people are much more willing to come on. The barrier to entry is a lot lower. I've had on these guests, you know, you know, whatever. But the network itself, much like the hard drives, it doesn't just exist and now you have it. It is living. You can destroy it by your own inaction. So if I have Charles Smith on, and then after this, I have Bob on. And Bob's like, hey, I was watching your old episodes with Charles Smith. Like, that guy's a real fucking idiot. And if I just let that go, you might not be happy. Now, you're a cool dude. You'd probably be like, whatever. But some people aren't cool dudes. And they go, you know, okay, it's one thing if you don't defend me, Tommy. That's fine. But you just let that fly. All right. So if someone did that, I'd be like, hey, I have a rule. You can't talk about other guests in a negative light. And that's not censorship. That's me going, I have to play diplomat. People will text me all the time. Dude, I did not like that guest. What do you, what do you want from me? Okay. <laughs> Noted. Noted, Bill, that you didn't like episode 912. Am I taking it down for you? Are you, are you my girlfriend? And I'm like, yeah, it really upset her. <laughs> Put it in the comments. I don't care. And people will text me themselves who are guests. And I'll be like, hey, bud, there are people that don't like you. And it's fine. 
But again, being at the helm is that entire paradigm shifting thing again to where you have to play. Dip. I've been a guest on other shows. You can be free, free will and just say whatever you want. What do, you, what do I care? When you're at the helm, there is this, you almost have to put on the suit like you're a president giving a speech at some nation, right? And you're not maybe not going to bring up their past as like a genocidal nation because that's not good for geopolitics because you're trying to get an oil pipeline in there. And you maybe yeah. don't stand, you know, maybe that doesn't sit well with you morally or ethically, but you're looking at a bigger picture. What is the viability of the podcast? I cannot start, I cannot get bigger and bigger guests if it becomes a recurring pattern that you go on my show and there are bigger shows that I've seen have had guests on and then backstab those guests. I have provided guests and those shows will go unnamed. I have provided some of my bigger guests to these shows and they have turned around and stabbed them in the back. And then I have had to go in fire extinguisher mode and contact those guests and said, I had no idea that guy was going to do that. I have to keep my own network. Because a year from now, I reach out to one of those guys and go, could you put me in touch with this guy? They might not. Because now they don't want to soil their friendship. Because they throw them on a podcast of a guy that's going to screw them over. So it comes back again to the hierarchies. You're going into the emergency room. They stabilize you. Your big toe might be missing, but if your heart has a hole in it, they're covering the heart first. They're going to wrap the toe. They're going to put a tourniquet on it. Hey, bud, you might not have a big toe, but we're going to make sure your brain keeps getting oxygen. That is what I've learned. And to what you were saying about riffing, um, I've, I've read two Upton Sinclair books this month, The Jungle, which was fantastic, and Oil, which I really liked. And Oil is about this guy... I think he's based off like a Rockefeller character and he's the, the story's told from the son's standpoint and the dad's basically teaching him the, the ropes of how to be an oil baron and it was written I think in 1910 and he's just teaching him all these little things about greasing the wheels and you know meeting with local political leaders and from the outside it looks like bribery but as you see it move on and the kid grows up and he starts to, not really, the kid's kind of a socialist asshole, doesn't appreciate his dad, so it's not really a good example. But, like, the dad's just showing him, like, how do you think this stuff operates? And it, I guess it almost warms my heart a little more to what 18-year-old idyllic Tommy might have been, like, that's an asshole CEO. Well, now that I'm, like, my own CEO, I don't even have employees. What if I had employees? who had kids and I'd be, I might be like, you don't, you may not like me. You may not like that. I had on this guest and I didn't bring up like whatever past crimes, but like I'm, I'm getting a paycheck for you and for your family. You have to kind of be the bad guy or you can be a good guy. And that doesn't mean shit. If the company goes down and no one has a paycheck, we stood, we stood tall. We have our morals, but you're all laid off. Get out of the office. Which one do you want? And it's... I know I'm, I know I'll keep going, but I'm, I'm reading ExxonMobil, or not, Private Empire, about ExxonMobil by Steve Call. And you see the evil oil billionaires. But then it finally comes down to, like, what do you want? Do you want $3 a barrel or $3 a gallon? 
Or do you, you want to be moral and ethical and not have this? Okay, 50 a gallon. You think Saudi Arabia is just giving, us to it, giving it to us because to, we're nice? No, it's because we have a navy bigger than God. Which one do you want? Do you want you want the cheap do you want the cheap grapes? Do you want the two dollar do you want a four dollar bag of chicken breasts? But you're against preservatives and hormones? That's fine. We can do organic. Eighty a bag. What do you want? And it's I guess you just get closer and closer to whatever the truth is about building a business and keeping it going. And it honestly it's kind of like warmed my heart to like cold CEOs. Now I look at someone, I'm like, yeah, no, that guy's doing the work. I don't know if that was a good enough riff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I read a, a, a bio of Rockefeller, the uh, the the original Rockefeller, and, and uh, I forget the author, uh, one of those guys that writes a lot of biographies. And it was fascinating how he was raised by a real slippery father, yeah. and he was, he was poor, but he had this super strong Christian value system, but it 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 allowed him to do all those kinds of little slippery things he needed to do to build his empire. You know, I mean, you find a way to do it, right? But I, I want to speak to the your um, example of triage, which I think is a very important um, concept because we're talking about, you know, Apollo 13 and a, and, a, and a triage where an injured person comes in and you got you to gotta first off decide whether they're savable or not. Because if they're like, if they're toast, then you set them aside. And, um, and it's like brutal, cruel, you know, like, oh my gosh. But you know, like if, if you've got a tiny staff and there's like this, you know, hundreds of injured people, then that's what, that's what you got to do. Right. And so we, we all have our own kind of triage in our own system, our own life and stuff, but being the, as you say, at the helm, you see the trade-offs, they, they become, they come very much into focus. And that's what I hear you, you discussing is the, the trade-offs that you have when you're at the helm are are invisible to the employee. They get to just bitch about their manager or their supervisor and like who stole my lunch from the fridge or, you know, my Zoom connection went down or, you know, it's like kind of all this trivial kind of noise stuff. And um, and you, I get it. You know, if you're the employee or you're the kid or, the you know, and, and you're looking at your parents going, oh, why don't you guys, you know, why aren't you perfect? Um, you get it, you know, but when you're in charge, it's like, Hey, I got to do, I got to wear a bunch of hats. So you've wearing like an accountant's hat. Cause you got an EIN number. Most people don't even know what that is. Well, you got to have an EIN to file a tax return as an LLC or a corporation. Okay. And there's other circumstances too. Like if you have a trust and you know, blah, blah, blah. So you got to, you got to, you're an accountant, you're an attorney, right? You're a therapist to your, your, um, uh, guests. Yeah, <laughs> listeners and to yourself because you got to keep yourself kind of glued together because it's like so you have to wear all these hats and then it's like so much it's challenging as you say and and yet it's it's the real deal in other words you're taking full responsibility for yourself in a way that that people that just kind of cling on to their little you know comfort zone they don't really understand what we what we go through and so when things start unraveling the people that that lived that only have experience in their little comfort zone, they're going to be um, under a lot of natural selective pressure because they don't have any experience of taking full responsibility for themselves, and they they didn't understand the network effect. You know, your your planetary rocks turn into Jupiter, and so um, and so they don't understand all these moving parts that are going to make the difference between 
you know, whether they're going to be in triage getting care or they're outside with a sheet over them, like, hey, good luck, pal, you know, and and some people do survive, like Michael Grave, the poet, famously shot through the shoulder in World War One as a as a as a soldier, and he was given up like, nah, forget it, you know, sucking chest wound. So he's just outside for a couple of days and then they, so I'm, hey, this guy's still alive. Holy shit. <laughs> and so that's, and that's, um, that was his life experience. And his book about it was called Farewell to All That. And, um, and then he became a famous poet and, you know, lived in the Mediterranean islands and, you know, had a great life. But um, at that time, he was just clinging on to life and he'd been set aside. And so there's, you go, well, that was horrible. And it's all like, well, the whole thing was horrible, right? So the the question for us is, are you, are you willing to take the helm of your own life as much as you can, understanding that we're we're not all godlike, you know, we don't have complete control. And and speaking of the third, uh the third and uh, second and third rank quarterbacks, you know, I, I often, you know, because I did play, I mean, I was like a bench warmer, right? I was just some skinny kid that got punched around, you know, constantly. Um, so I didn't really play first string football. I was like, you know, they throw you in the game at the last 30 seconds. So you get a little experience, like somebody else smashes you to the ground and yeah, okay. Yeah. I played in the game. And I also was played basketball, same thing, bench warmer. You know, I played a bunch of sports just because I was interested in it and I was no good, but it's okay. I got in good shape. I'll tell you that. So what happens when you look at the the, the game recording? Oh, you, and everybody's a, a critic, right? A har- armchair quarterback. Well, why didn't he see that guy that was open downfield? And it's like, because he had three seconds. He was blocked by three linebackers. Tr- I mean, a couple of linebackers trying to smash him into the ground, and he didn't get to see the whole thing. He had three seconds to get rid of the ball. So that's reality. And that's kind of like when I think what you're describing is that you're constantly on the line of scrimmage i mean as a you, you know at the helm and you can, you have to call audibles all the time you know the what the world the, the world is shifting out there constantly so you're constantly calling audibles and just hoping and praying that you got the right audible for the defense you know that just shifted so and then you might you might make a mistake and then you got to adjust that so and i think that um that mentality of of being at, at under selective pressure, you can say, well, most people don't want that pressure. And mm-hmm. we understand that. But on the other hand, as if things are unraveling on a macro level, like I tend to think they are, then the the more skills you have of being at the helm, even if they're partial or contingent or whatever, those are going to pay big dividends to you going forward. I mean, that's kind of what, and that's why I'm glad we're talking about it is, you know, people may see you and they they think oh that he's just doing this for fun or whatever they don't see the immense amount of work you've put in here and um what you, and all the the adjusting and and evolutionary uh, pressure you're under and um and i do and those of us in the world in the digital realm do we go wow how did that guy get his audience or whatever and you know we're not sure either but we know the guy did some real work to get it yeah I'm going to touch on all those. I really have to use the restroom. Mr. Smith, tell oh. everybody where to find you. Yeah, t- tell them where your yeah. is, all that good stuff.
thức của mình Talking, Mr. Smith. Oh, was I supposed to be doing a monologue? I said, I said, tell him where to find your blog. Oh, ah, oh, you, 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 you did me dirty like that. I don't care. You, I, I blew it. You'll have to edit the whole mess out. Nope, it's yeah. live. It's live. That's the so that's a whole other thing now, is right. It's it's live. It's been live for like two months. That's uh. Oh God, I could have gone. On, I could have gone on an epic rant about. As I said, I said, tell him where to find you. I'm heading to the bathroom. That's on you, man. I take no responsibility. So there's a thing, though, right? I have to take responsibility, right? Being at the helm. This is my show. It's no one's fault. It's my. It's my own. Being. Nope. I. I did. I blew it. I'm sorry about that. So we're just gonna have to, no, that audible failed. I got tackled for no, 15 no, but, loss, man. but like, but like real politic. Like, no. Whose fault is it? It's my show. Am I or am I not the boss? Right now, granted, this is a tiny thing that really doesn't matter, and I don't care. But like, that is an example of it's my show. That's my fault. I should have done something, and there's no one to blame. So, but it comes back to so we're talking about all these things and all these being at the helm and blah blah blah. Well, then you have to ask yourself like, well, rationally, then why would anyone do this? Right now, it's right because it. Okay, so you know simple answer right you could say well it's challenging it's very satisfying when you figure it out you don't see the i mean the podcast started december 2019 the graphic design started december 2016 i turned down my medical school acceptance in december 2013 so i mean we're coming up on a decade of it's really only just now kind of in the last six months starting to really really maybe even the last three months really starting to feel like it's working the answer can't simply be because it's satisfying, right? That's, it's like being at the top of Mount Everest and going, yeah, I came up for the view. Like, that's very easy to say when you're sitting there with a beer and looking at the sun. Like, that's great. But what about the hell going up? <laughs> All right, well, dreams of, of prosperity, right? Spoiler alert, it's incentive. It's a, it's a self-goal. You know, there's not rainbows and butterflies. It's, oh, I hope to be able to retire whenever I want. Sorry, that's spoiler alert. Money, money runs it. Um, but it's also freedom, right? Now, it's, again, it's very easy when I'm sitting here in a chair. We're shooting the shit. I got a good night's sleep. I went to the gym. Everything's fine. It's easy to like sit here and wax poetically. And be like, it's a great challenge. Like, no, that's not the reason. It's getting into medical school. It was like I put so well. One, I just wasn't happy. But two. It was like, you, you have to work in this existence. You know, you, you can commit suicide. You can just leave. That That is an option. That's, I think Alan Watts said the most important and only question is, am I or am I not going to commit suicide? If the answer is no, well, then you have to start accepting other truths. You need food, water, shelter, employment. I'm going to work. Working hard tends to make your problems less. Another, hey, it's a red pill. Just like gravity, more money often means less problems. 
well, if I'm going to do this anyway, and I'm 23 at the time, and I got decades of this ahead of me, then I I might as well be doing something I like. And if I'm going to put my ass to it and I know I work hard, I'm going to I'm going to reap the benefits from it. Now it's it's been a path of hell to get here. And I still work myself stupid every day. But I wake up when I want. I woke up around 11:30 every day. Go to the gym, meditate, listen to whatever audiobook I want, whether or not I even have to get the guest. And if I want to get the guest, that's another perk of the hard work. Hey, this book's cool. I might talk to the author. <laughs> All right, cool. I can write it. Oh, hey, it's a podcast. No, I just want to talk to the author, but I'll call it a podcast. I can say whatever I want. I can, I get to be myself every day. I don't have to, while well, I'm at the office, I can't, I can't, you know, office politics. No, I get to sit here and just decide whether or not I just want to randomly say, fuck. <laughs> All right, why not, man? Fuck, whatever. <laughs> cool, whatever. You can just say whatever you want. I get to design my my own office. I mean, my studio is like, yeah, it looks like it looks like a nightclub. But you know what? This is what I wanted it to look like. And I get to pivot in new ways. I now get to you know hopefully get the merch store back up. I get to start. That's another satisfying thing. Like revenue from my old like graphic design. Like that's that's fulfilling. You know, doing video game streams as part of revenue. Like that's wild. It is. But the freedom to know that I have to work anyway if I'm going to do this. Whenever I get, like, really tired or burned out, I always remind myself, like, I get 100% of what I make. Like, you're going to be tired and going to work anyway. You can go minimum wage and work at a, you know, as a Chinese delivery man, which I've done that before. Or every bit of work I put into this, it's all coming back to me. That means I have to own the failures. But every success, every big guest, that's mine. And it's nobody else's. And it gives you freedom. And then, yeah, when you're well-rested and sitting down and having a good time, they're kind of like higher-order meta-philosophies. It's very fulfilling. You're, it's the satisfaction of figuring out a puzzle. But above all else, I think it's, understanding that you have to work to live or you'll die. Those who don't work don't eat. If I have to do that anyway, I, I might as well enjoy it. And then you get more luxuries of then it can also be fulfilling and then it can also be entertaining. And I hope way down the road I can turn it into you know philanthropic work. I've told you before I lost sibling to suicide in 2014. I hope before I die to put a ton of money into some form of, of, of advancing mental health forward, even if by just an inch, right? And that's like the very top of the pyramid of like fulfillment, self-actual, leave a footprint, like I did something good in my life. But I think that's the answer of why would anyone do... Now, some people like Rockefeller, like survival, I chose to do this. I could have gone and been a doctor. But I chose to do this and it's... um. It's the most fulfilling thing I could ever conceive of is to push the boat away from the dock and it floats, knowing that at the bottom of the lake is a hundred of your old failed boats, <laughs> right? 
There is just, and even if anyone else looks at it, they're like, dude, you could have just bought a canoe. Yeah, I could have. But I built this thing. I did this. What else can I do? So now you riff off of that. Well, I think, um, again, and I wrote this book, it's fairly short, so it's actually readable. Like I write, every once in a while, I write a long book that takes a lot of effort to get through. And so I realize it's like most people aren't really up to it anymore. Um, but then I try to write these shorter books that you can read in a couple hours. And what this self-reliance book is talking about um, something that I would use the word authenticity to summarize what you're describing is that you're you're being authentic to yourself. And the thing is, is that that's always requires trade-offs. We can say, well, I want the dream job. And it's like, well, there is no dream job. Like, like I like for me, it's like, well, who is going to pay me money to write about whatever I felt like? Well, no one, no one, no one, no one. I'm there is no position where um, can I apply for that job where you get to write something and you make a living for writing about whatever the hell you want? Um, it's like, well, yeah, sure. Go ahead and join. There's like 12 million other applicants and there's only one job. So you have to make your own way if you're going to be outside the conventions. Like if I wanted to be a CPA and that's a good position, you know, like you're helping people you know, do their accounting and taxes and all that stuff. If you love that, if that's an, a, an expression of your authentic self, then that's where you should be, right? But if you hate that position and you hate everything about it, then you're in the wrong position, even, even though you tell yourself, well, I did the trade-off to get money because I needed to buy a house or support my kids. And, you know, there's there's always trade-offs. And so the you know what you're doing tommy is is kind of at the at the extreme where you're you're um you're making huge trade-offs to get your um your freedom and you're having to work much harder than people that um think they're working hard um and they are uh within their realm um but you're getting so much more that um is beyond the experience of most people and so that's the other thing i i often kind of ruminate on is nobody knows what my job is. Nobody knows what the blog requires or my books or whatever. And I don't, I don't go on and on about it because it's like boring. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like the main thing is I get it done. Right. Mm. And, and, but nobody really knows like, you know, that I've got to do weird stuff like, Oh, I got to insert some new code because there's a, a new law in California that says the digital rights act or something like that. So I got to put that in the in the bottom of the website somewhere or else I'm not in compliance, you know? And what do I do about being shadow banned on Twitter? Well, I just keep grinding away going, well, people will find me some way because I there's no way around that kind of stuff. And so I, I'm just saying, it's like, what, what the, if you're authentic to yourself and you manage to fit into a conventional slot, like if you had said, you know, the most important thing in my life is going to, I, I, I've, I just, thirst for being a doctor and, and getting into medical school, I'm impressed as hell. And and some people love being a doctor and some people love being an emergency room doctor. And, and for me, it would be like, get me the heck out of here, yeah. man. I, I don't want this stress, this pressure, this person's life is dangling and I'm supposed to like, I'm the guy in charge, you know, it's like, forget it. And so, but for some people, they thrive in that environment. So you decided that that was not going to be a position where you were going to thrive and and fulfill your best self. And, and you know, you go, best self, that sounds so new agey. Ah, but guess what? Emerson wrote that phrase in 1841. And that's why that's why that book is famous. As he said, be your best self. And, and he understood 
that that was going to require a bunch of trade-offs and um you know compromises etc cetera, etc cetera. but um it it it's it's really what life is about like you said you know and, and so you can talk about it. it sounds real you know new agey or well we are we in psychotherapy here you know authenticity but it's like really what makes you happy mm. or makes you miserable and so when i look around at conventional life uh you know like normal jobs and slots and stuff for for a lot of people that works that's who they are that's they're perfectly fine with that and the trade-off is they have security to to support their family and i'm i'm totally in favor of that but the, for those of us who don't fit in that and that's not who we are then we have a different road you know we're out there as we've said before you can use whatever you want you're building a a road through a jungle and you're hacking away and you're going god was this ever going to end and you know etc cetera, etc cetera. so it I'm, and in other words i want to be careful to say i'm not dissing conventional work and conventional life if that works for the person and that's who and they can find a way to be authentically themselves in that role that's terrific you know and that's what i want for everybody but th some of us don't fit in on any of those slots and so then we have to find some other way to to navigate um uh, you know, Charybdis and Vasilla, you know? <laughs> the diet is an important thing. I want to make a quick note what you said about no one knows about like the coding you're inserting. No one knows. And if they did know, they wouldn't care. No one knows. <laughs> I had to figure out how to stream video games because if you're streaming, instead of uploading later, you're, you're doing two tasks at once because if you screen record now and upload later, your computer's taking a break. But if you're playing video games and streaming, it also has to transcode, which means you have to get a streaming PC and connect that. Well, how do you connect that? Oh, there's a weird thing called a capture card. You got to get that and figure the audio out. But I want to do this. I want... Well, hey, Tommy, <laughs> you're the one that wants to make money video gaming. Figure it out. So you figure it out. And then once you do figure it out, you try to tell other people, they're like, I don't give a shit. Show me the video game stream. And you're like, I don't care how this was made. I don't I don't care about the shipping. I don't care about how little Apple is paying their software. I don't care. How much was it? Is it, is it a competitive price point? It's got good memory. It's fast. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> and you learn that and you move forward from that. And you can, other people who are kind of at the helm, you guys can commiserate and bitch with each other. But the reality yeah. is, is no one cares. So the inverse of the quote-unquote normal life. That is a very important takeaway that I had to learn is that you're not a, in this, a me talking to my old self who looked down at people just going to nine to five instead of being all they could be. You're not a sucker for having a nine to five. I have, I have friends who are incredibly intelligent, went to college with, smarter than me, a lot smarter than me. They're a CPA. They got a wife. They got their nine to five. They got their commute. Mom and dad live 10 minutes away. They're old, you know, you know, they still have their childhood friends. They love every Friday. They, they've got a little disposable income now. They love going to the high end bars, trying everything around the city. And then Sunday they have their routine, you know, Sunday you nurse the hangover, get ready. We got back at it Monday. Paycheck's always there. Insurance is there. Nothing's changing a whole lot. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's a very relaxing life. It's not that they're not capable of what I'm doing. It's that they looked at it and went, that's a crapshoot, man. Not not only do you have to work your ass off, there's also just luck. You can work the hardest ever and still just fail. 
right? And then there's only, you don't get to redo. You don't get to go, all right, well, let's let's hit pause on the video game and go back to the first chapter and play it again. As far as we know, I mean, maybe reincarnation. You don't know. What if you're 32 like I am and it never worked out? And then you go, uh, I'm going to go back to 23 and go to medical school and enjoy my 20s. No, 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 no. The 20s are now gone. And then there's also yeah. the, the philosophical of, I might die at it. I might just aneurysm, done. Did I enjoy it? And so there are people who are trapped in that nine to five because they have to, and it sucks. But a lot of people I know are in that nine to five and it has limitations and they're not ignorant of those. They know that you got to show up to work. They know that like, and now you got to wear a polo or, you know, no, I can't take two weeks off in the middle of this month. I have to go to work. But there are a lot of trade-offs and the trade-offs are, it's a very enjoyable life. And like, I totally I totally get it. I personally, I I am not, I have to do things and I have to be the best. I have to ace it. It's a personal thing. When I wanted to be a doctor, I would think, I would try to calculate, like, when can I retire by? And then other doctors I knew, you know, friends, dads, uncles, who have been practicing for 30, 40 years, they had enough savings to retire a decade ago, but they're still going every day. I don't give a shit. They're like, this is what I love. They're like, yeah, the money's dumping in. They're like, I hope to do this. I interviewed doctors who are, Dr. Fareed, I interviewed him all the time. He's 82, still in the emergency room. He could have retired eons ago, but it's not that. If I was doing this to be like, I cannot wait till I sell the podcast library and retire. Well, what are you going to do then? Well, I'd like to go live a normal life and get a girlfriend. Well, you can do that now. You can just go get a normal nine to five. You got a biology degree. You're you're an intelligent enough guy. You'll figure it out. Go make 70 grand a year, get an apartment, just live a normal life. That's fine. There is not an end date for this. If the podcast ever does end, it will be because I have tackled another another thing. I will be grinding myself to the bone till the day I die because I love doing that. I, I love making it better, faster, more efficient, make it cleaner, make it crisper, better resolution, better audio fidelity. That's what I love. And I mean, I, I could have a billion in the bank and I would still be waking up and be like, Fuck, I'm late. Got to get to the gym. I got to do this. I got to do that. And someone might be like, dude, what are you doing? And I'd be like, this is what I love. Like, the money's cool. This is what I love. And I think it's authentic to yourself. Do you just want a, you know, a chill life? Then go go get a nine to five. Go, you know, enjoy it. Don't hate it. But go do that. Go enjoy it. You can enjoy it every week. That's not a bad life. 52 weekends of the year, you got a wife you love, and you got, you know, kids or friends, and you guys are you know, enjoying your 30s and going out to bars. and That sounds great, dude. Go for it. Don't do this if you hate this. If you love, you know, Netflix with the girlfriend every evening, don't do what I'm doing. There is no Netflix. There is no girlfriend. I was trying to think earlier when you were talking, when was the last time I've been to a bar? Last June. <laughs> like, I, can't, I, don't, I don't have, you know, I don't do this shit. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way because... I've tried to live the normal life and I was so miserable and it eventually led to drugs, benzos, weed, alcohol, cough syrup, acid, 
Because essentially what I was trying to do was, I'm going to live the humdrum life and have a shitty job, but still find a way to enjoy it. That's me trying to perfect the system. And that was a very dangerous and debilitating way to do it. So I do this. I diet. I work out. I meditate. I read. It's a lot of solitude. And there are moments of crushing loneliness. But there's a fire and a spark when I see something start to work. And it's like making a fire. You're like, you're like blocking the wind. And you're like, you're like blow on it, blow on it. You got to fix it. You know, and it gets going and it's crackling. And you're like, sit back and you're like, fuck yeah, I made the fire. We made the fire. Now I'm like, okay, cool. Let's go make another fire. Like that's just to, because we're coming up on the time. I forgot. I, I got a guest in a couple minutes. I've tried to, in moments of contemplation, been like, why am I this? The best thesis I have is that I am just, I'm an enzyme. An enzyme facilitates facilitates chemical or biological reactions to make them quicker. The best I've concluded is that in the, in the organism that is Earth with a billion people, I am one of them, the ones that are they're just an enzyme. If there's some higher order God in God dear medical school learning about Earth, I would just be on like a diagram be like, this is an enzyme. There are many variations of them. You could have a Charles Smith. You could have a Tommy Kerrigan. You could have a Rockefeller. It's, this is what they do. I've just accepted that I find great pleasure in fac- facilitating things, increasing efficiency, increasing quality, quantity, and then pushing forward to a new paradigm entirely. I've stopped questioning it. You can you can break down why a Reese's cup tastes good. Well, the, there are the nerve endings in your tongue, and it's because your body wants saccharides, and it's that's because you're an evolutionary animal who needs fat. To... All right, or you can just eat a Reese's cup and go, fuck, that's good. I'm kind of interested in how it works. I kind of just want the Reese's cup. I like working, and to put that into perspective is we got to wrap this one up because I have another guest because I can't just do one episode. If I had nothing to do the rest of the day, I'd jump out of this fucking apartment window. All right, man. Well, I think you summed it up. I'm happy to be an enzyme too. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great conclusion, Tommy. Okay. Until next time. Thank you so much. Hell yeah, man. Thanks for putting up with my ramblings. Um, till next time. Yeah. Shoot. If you could right now, shoot me a text as a reminder, and then I will make sure to schedule our next one because I will go in one ear and out the other if I don't have a reminder. So Dude, thank you so much for coming on, guys. The link to his bio or the link to the his blog is in the description of Two Minds. Uh, I think your Twitter's in there. And um, thanks so much, man. Thanks for uh, giving credibility to my psychopathic rants. All right, dude. My pleasure. All right, thanks, thanks so much. Recording stop. Take care. Later. <laughs>